Hello and welcome back to Hindsight is 50-50. I'm the host J-Rod with my co-host, the ORG Old Retired Guy. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Jared. I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, we had, it has been a crazy uh, season for storms and storm damage. We had a, um, I mean, I had two good sized trees that were down. We had a, about an hour of intensity. Like there was a storm that was probably five, six hours long. And I mean, it rained for a good long time. But and even overnight, but there was about an hour in there. I don't know that I've seen wind stronger here. And I mean, we have, we have wind here a lot, but it was just really intense. I mean, I was fearful about our great big maple tree. And I mean, that's, you know, that's the strongest tree we have. But yeah, it knocked, two, knocked a tree across the road. That night, before it stopped raining, I took the tractor out and pushed the tree out of the road. And uh, I had to feel good. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it just, it just keeps, I mean, I keep finding these uses for it that are just funny. And it's just like, man, when you have it, you just really appreciate it, you know, because it'll just good. It'll do so much shit that I'm too old and, you know, to do. I can't, I can't. You know, yeah, I mean, how many times, and I'm not, I know our other neighbors have removed trees and stuff from the road. I'm not saying nobody has, but how many times did, you know, the boys, whether it was Joe, Jacob, myself, all of us together, go out or we're driving down the road and the tree's down and we get out and pick it up and move it? Sure. It's like, you know, you can't be doing that shit forever. Right. So, I mean, that it, tractor, an unexpected use is always a good thing. Well, yeah, and it's like, it, it's just, it's paid dividends already. And I mean, then, you know, I had one of the trees the next day was, it was like hung up. It hadn't fallen all the way. It was like still hung up. And, but a branch was touching the ground. I took the tractor out there and pushed it with the bucket and it fell off. and. I mean, I, you know, I, again, it, it, you know, I did the, (laughs) the power was out. I want to say the power went out. It didn't go out during that storm. Ironically enough, it went out the next morning and our neighbor, Phil, he comes up because I'm out, you know, in the morning surveying the damage and it's like really early. It's before 7am and he's on his way to work and he pulls in the driveway and he goes, we're going to lose our power. I says, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah. Right down by my house, there's a uh, a big branch laying on a line. And he goes, in the line, smoking. So he goes, we're, we're going to lose our power. And within a, it, that was, you know, about 10 to 7 at 8.30, our power went out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's a nice heads up, though, you know? Well, yeah. And it, but so I did. I I had I went and filled gas cans and and I, I yeah, even took I ain't the generator doing this no power shit. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and you guys you guys lost power too, didn't you? Yeah, but but for us it's usually. I mean, there's been a couple times where it's been down for a significant amount of time, but for the most part, we get like the flicker power outages. Like, and, and I, I think you. it's because they can swap the direction of your power 
you, you, like everything's on closed circuits. So like, let's say the whole sub's lit up and the transformer on the left side of the sub goes down. They can shut that off, but still deliver power, power to like every house in the sub, except for the first five on the left side, because power can come from the right. I think that's why ours is on and off so much is because when there's a horrible storm and power goes out, it's very rarely that we we're down for even multiple hours. Most of the time it's minutes. Well, that's good. I, and again, I'm just grateful to have the, you know, have the generator and, and, and the wherewithal to hook it up. And it, you know, it, it's just, it's surprising. It's just been surprising. And this, you know, this whole summer has been weird. I said, you know, your mom was telling me, you know, cause it's a lot to clean up. I mean, there's two down trees. I've been, I, it's still not all done. I got a great part of it done, but it's still not all done. And cause it's a lot of mess and a lot of that scrub and brush that you have to, you know, get off a tree when it's down. That's no good. I, you know, that's the kind of stuff that when JJ's here, he and I load that in a trailer and, we take that out and put it in a pile and burn it at a later point in time. And then, you know, there's wood that I don't want that's too big for me that I don't want to burn. I don't want to split it. I don't have a wood splitter. So I take that to the neighbor and then I cut up the wood that I want for myself. And again, it's cherry. So a lot of it's really good firewood, but I just don't want, you know, great big stuff that I have to split. So it's just a lot of, there's a lot of work. I don't mind it, but I was telling your mom, you know, she's going, you better be careful. You know, the air quality index and all that is crazy today. Thanks again for the wildfires all over. Um, <laughs> and I just said, you know what? I said, I, I, I'm not, not going to be stupid, right? I don't want to be stupid, but I'm not going to, we've got three good months, you know? That's really well, pretty they much. They fucked us on a pandemic. We can't say that's what I, yeah, this is bullshit. I'm it's not like, doing yeah. this. You know, you're not taking away my summer. I don't know how many I have left, but you're not taking it away. I'm going to, I'll be careful. You know, I'll. Well, you I know, think that, you know, and again, everybody can say I go down a rabbit hole, whatever. But I've told Melissa over and over, you know, I think this weather is a response i really do think if you look at the planet and how things are all interconnected with one another essentially not by true definition but essentially the earth is one giant living thing and it's like we we had the chemicals spill in ohio and get into the water but then they also burned the chemicals so they went up into the air and then we had the wildfires like crazy in canada with all these air pollutants and contaminants and it's like you're you're hoping it's just burning trees but god knows what's actually out there in the woods that people have been putting there for decades and and with all of this going on i think especially in michigan but other neighboring states you're in the perfect storm because the the earth is essentially trying to cleanse like it's like the winds are coming in the rains coming in. it's like it's trying to wash out and cleanse the bad shit that's happened and we're near the great lakes which is the perfect scenario for not only the wind to pick up its velocity but for the temperature to drop which not only puts hail and all of that in our rain because we had quarter size hail last week up here 
but also we've had tornadoes. And it's like when you're getting a blend of the, the air change, that's how you get that tornado. And I, I really do think that we've put so much shit in the atmosphere in the past year and a high concentration compared to normal that the reason it is raining so hard and the winds are so incredibly high is that this is the planet cleansing. Not, not the whole planet, but it's like this part of the planet is trying to cleanse itself out for its own survival. Sound like Stephen Hawking or something. I'm just saying that's my belief. <laughs> I like. I, I'm sure people think I'm crazy, but it's like, you tell me a di- You tell me something else. You know. No, I. You know what? I'm not saying you're crazy. I was just teasing you about Stephen Hawking. Um. No, it. I, dude, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hear about. You know, we, we all hear about the global warming and. And I know there's statistics that back that up. I know that. But when I'm freezing my butt off in the winter, it doesn't seem like it. Well, and anybody that like actually takes a deep dive into into the science of it all, it's like we're we're supposed to be globally warming. Like that's the Earth's revolution, if you will. Like every time it goes around through its cycle, it's like we're supposed to be warming. It, it if you went by real definition, right now we are technically still in an ice age. That's why we have ice caps at our poles. And once those are completely gone and the currents become faster and more expedient, changing the wind and everything on Earth, the planet will start getting substantially warmer. Well, before the last ice age, the planet was substantially warmer, and that's why all the animals were fucking enormous. It's like we're just going through a cycle. Whether we speed it up or not, I don't know. But it's a, it, there's proof in history that this is what the planet does. And it's like to think that we're going to control it, to me, is mind-boggling. That's like ants thinking they're ruining our homes or some shit. Like, we're so <laughs> small in comparative to the planet. It's like, give me a fucking break. Especially when you consider how much of the planet is not inhabited or their society is poor and does not have vehicles, machinery, industrial plants, all of that. So I just, I don't know. That, that thing to me, and, and it is funny to me because everybody's, oh, global warming. It's like you do know we're technically still in an ice age. Like that's why there are polar caps. I just, Thank you, I Dr. Hawking. <laughs> Look, man, I get into stuff like this, but speaking on nerdy things, I learned something new the other day, and I, I'm almost <laughs> like ashamed I didn't know this. <laughs> but so, so I told you that storms seem to be driving the bugs inside the house, and you had been talking about getting stung by a hornet before yeah. um, on our last podcast, and all of that, and and. I was telling Melissa, you you know, normally when we have this weather, you'll start seeing all kinds of little critters come into our house because they're trying to get inside, especially when the ground's flooding from the rain being so dense. Um, But we haven't seen any this year. We We haven't had, like, any spiders, nothing. And I was sitting there, and I had just seen something, so I obviously took a deep dive and did my own research on it. And 
it was about daddy long legs and how you shouldn't kill them. Well, I had just been doing the deep dive into it yesterday. And then today I'm going to the bathroom and all of a sudden one crawls on the wall right next to my face. And first instinct is smash that bitch. But I don't because I literally remember what I just saw. And then I come out of the bathroom and this is not an easy thing to explain to your wife. I go, hey, babe, you see that daddy log legs on the wall? She's like, yeah, kill it. I was like, don't. She goes, what? I go, don't. Turns out. They're not really spiders. They're actually more related to a scorpion. And the reason they've always been considered deadly is a like it was a myth. They're not poisonous even if you were to eat it. I never I never thought that. But but that's always been the rumor. But the reason they're actually considered the deadliest spider is because they crawl on the webs of other spiders without making them vibrate because of their legs. And they eat other spiders. And they eat all the insects that get trapped because they're a scavenger. And they even eat wolf spiders, all kinds of poisonous spiders, everything. I mean, and spiders that are three times their size. I don't and kill it's them like, anymore. We, well, we have one in the house, and I'm sitting there going, that's why there's no fucking bugs. Like, <laughs> and well, yeah, I just thought you... that was so cool, because I didn't yeah. know that's what they were. I was doing something outdoors the other day and, and I saw one and I didn't kill it. I I've boycotted killing daddy long legs for there. There's something about them that strikes me that I don't find as repulsive as a common spider. Right. I don't, I don't like spiders and I don't, I think I know it's because the they're not little like the, muscle hamsters. The they're little black, black ones with the white dot, you know, they, they always say that there's a bunch of imitators of the black widow. Because yeah. the black widows, they're common, but they're not that common. So what we see lots of times aren't black widows. They just look like black widows. And, you know, and that's their, that's how they've adapted over time that things will fear them, thinking they're a black widow. I'll still kill those. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, and I'll tell you another thing that I really don't like, but I won't kill anymore, are grasshoppers. I don't kill them anymore. Them and crickets, too. I don't like either one of them, but I don't kill them. I just don't. I don't I mean, really there's... run into grasshoppers too much, but I, I never had a like thing where I needed to kill one. Well, um, they they just bother me because they're... They jump know, up on you. They I mean, do. I remember and it as sticky. a kid. And yes. crickets are, too. They're stickier and Crickets shit. are really sticky. and But I don't... I don't kill either one of them anymore. I don't. I don't kill much of anything. But isn't it weird? Like to. you grow up, it's just weird the things you're sensitized and desensitized to, right? Like, like you could never or would never want to have to kill any pet and eat it. But it's okay to kill a cow and eat it, even no, if you treat it like a pet, right? So isn't it funny that we go around and it's like we'll raid hornets' nests, we'll fucking wipe out ant hills, squash spiders. Kill crickets, but it's like a firefly is just cute. Like, isn't yeah. it just kind of funny how certain things are endearing and other things just suck? Well, it, it <laughs> is, but a hornet's nest, I'm not going to let that. I'm not, I don't worry about hornet's nests. Okay. For me, I, I don't, I really don't. I do for your brother. He's very allergic 
and I and I do for my grandkids. So if I know of a hornet's nest, I get rid of it. I and I yeah. don't have any because I don't want that to get after the kids, the grandkids. And I and I've seen your brother's reaction to that, and Jacob's reaction is not good. So. No. Yeah, I was with so, him last time at the hospital. Holy yeah, week. and I just you know so when I see those and we actually found one the other day out on the deck, a hornet's nest, and I got rid of it right away. And but you know I'm not I, I can't I'm not going to let it endanger my family. You know I'm just I'm not. But you know like a daddy long legs. I think I was moved the trailer or something, and there here goes one crawling across. And I mean. I could have killed him 14 times, you know, with a glove, with a boot, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> As I've gotten older, I, I've become a lot more passive. Like, if, if there's a black spider on the wall in my house, you're dead. But it's like, if you're in the foyer on the floor and I can shoo you out the door, anything that has a chance to just go, I, I'll do that. Like, I come across a snake in the yard that doesn't bug me. It's like, do you think, you know, all kinds of critters and not just squirrels, rabbits, all that, but even bugs. It's like, if I can brush it off and not kill it, it's like, go, leave me alone. There's I'm with you. With hornets, be anything that stings like that, I'll kill it. And then the other thing is moss. I just hate moss. I'll kill a fucking moss. <laughs> I'll take a flamethrower to well, a you moss. Saw did you see the pictures of those turkeys looking in the basement door? Wild turkeys at our house. I don't think did I did. See, did you see those? No, your mom was taking pictures of them. I mean, they kept this, these two turkeys. Two of them had chicks. And I mean, there's one day, both of the adult turkeys are there. And then a set of the chicks is with them, like five or six chicks that are about half grown. They're about as big as a guinea hen right now, you know, a little bigger than a small chicken. And, you know, and they kept getting closer and closer in the backyard and your mom's taking pictures of them. They're peeking in the, the French doors in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you, I thought your mom sent you those pictures. Anyway, I'll send them to you because they're, hilarious well you know that that's all cool and i'm not gonna hurt them until but, they start shitting there no nah, they started eating my garden oh and that's yeah, how you they, get beheaded well i didn't do that i just i tied streamers i you know went on the web and as alan says the worldwide interweb and uh researched what to do and i saw the neighbors had done that on their garden the bondies had and so I just put, I had some survey tape, you know, I had some green and some pink and I think even had some orange and I just tied streamers up on, you know, the stakes and stuff I have to hold up the tomatoes. We're going to have a bumper crop of tomatoes, by the way. But, um, yeah. And, and it says if you change something up that they don't, cause I think they're colorblind. So the color wouldn't matter, but the movement of the streamer does. They don't like that. And they haven't been back. You know, I've seen them in the yard, but just in the yard. They haven't been anywhere near the garden since those streamers, since I put those streamers up. So that's a good thing. But yeah, it's, 
but I wanted to I wanted to talk about we've got three weeks. Yeah, three weeks from yesterday, we leave for Tennessee. Yeah, and yeah, it's coming up quick. Are you are you ready? And we and we've rented Harley Davidsons Harley Davidsons for three days. We pick them up. Jacob said when when we get down there on Tuesday, it's about a seven or eight hour drive. And check in, I believe, at the house. We in that VRBO is like at four o'clock. But literally, the motorcycle rental place is four miles away from the rental house. And he said, like, the town of Maryville is literally a mile and a half away from the rental house. So, and that's a good sized town. It's going to have everything we need, right? Yeah. But, he just said that, you know, if we, you know, get in, like if we we were talking about leaving around eight o'clock, that'd put us down there by four, likely. And if we get in there by four, then, you know, we'll just grab snacks or whatever you're going to keep at home. I mean, we did, we just do the Grubhub thing and that kind of stuff. The good news is he does have, we will have a vehicle down there and that'll be nice, but... If you just want to, you know, ride and, you know, kick around and then just order food in, that's that's what we did last time. That's what Alan and I do almost all the time, almost every time we have. See, so we just order stuff. But Jacob says he's going to talk to the guy and see if we can pick the bikes up before 10 a.m. on Wednesday so we could get in a full day Wednesday. You know, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe we can, even if it's 9 o'clock. That'll... You know, but yeah, I was, I, I was looking at routes and have you, is there any place that you want to go other than ride the tail of the dragon while we're on this trip? No, nothing specific. I, you know, I mountains and all that. Like I don't, I'd love to find a nice windy road, but like, that's not a big deal to me. It's going to be more about the scenery. So if I could get up into the mountains experience that on a motorcycle because i never have that's more what i'm interested in but a big part is that um i'm more interested in how the bike fits me because although i've always grown up like a honda guy we've all been honda guys um i i still have appreciation for harleys and i've always wanted a fat boy but as a larger guy my concern was always how it would fit me and and you know, everyone says, oh, anybody can ride it. You know, anyone who wants you to buy one. But when you talk to real riders and all that, it's like they say it does fit a female a little bit better. And for larger men, you know, you're going to have to get a custom seat, adjust your foot controls, all of that. So it's always deterred me from, from getting a fat boy. And um, But really, like, the the brother of a fat boy is a heritage and a heritage is actually designed for a little bit longer legs, a little bit bigger men. Right. And that's what I'll be riding down there. So I'm, I think, most excited to ride the motorcycle to see, would I be comfortable on this if I were to own one and it wasn't just a trip where I'm getting through it? Um, so, so figuring that out is something I'm pretty excited for because it, if I'm comfortable on the bike, that opens the opportunity for me to get one. Yeah, I... 
there is a Jacob and I, and Jacob's really good about that, about looking at routes. There's this loop that we're, we're like right on it. And it is, it, it links in the Blue Ridge Parkway. There's a, I, some of the tail of the dragon. It's just a beautiful, but it's a day long ride. It's 235 miles. And, you know, but if you ride all day and take breaks, and we'll have to take breaks because we'll have to get fuel, we'll have to eat at least one meal. Um, you know, but that's, that's not a long, that's, again, you're dealing with roads where the speed limit's going to be 35. Like on the parkway, there's a lot of it that is 35. In fact, I'm sure somebody's out there yelling right now that it all it is all that. But <laughs> I know that the speed limits are very restrictive. It's yeah, so you're not busting ass. And they should be, you know. So you're just it's just gonna be, you know, but if you go all day, you could make that loop and and you wouldn't kill yourself, you know. You figure a tank of gas, you know. It's like you a tank of gas fill up, you do you're gonna, you know. You're going to do that a couple of times. You got to stop and eat once at least, you know, you're going to need like water breaks. So, and, and trust me, we're both, Alan and I are both older, a lot older. So we're not trying to break any records. He was, he told me, cause I asked him this. I said, is there anything that you don't want to miss while we're on this trip? And he goes, no, he goes, I just want to enjoy it. He goes, because he's got 1,800 miles to ride aside from what he rides with us. It's 900 miles from Dallas to Maryville. That's crazy. And, and he's, well, I wouldn't have rented <laughs> in Dallas. <laughs> I would have rented a lot closer to Maryville. Yeah, but, like why isn't he like flying into like Atlanta or something? I don't know. Well, uh, I don't know. I that's just, a lot. Uh, well, yeah, and, and I mean, when, especially for someone who's not riding much anymore. Well, not at all. I mean, he rented that bike last year, and that trip blew up after a day because the bike crapped out on him. So he hadn't been on a bike since then. And he's going to, no, you know, he'll, he, I think he's given himself four days to go 900 miles, which is a God's plenty. I mean, three, you could do 300 a day, just about, you know, in your sleep, you know, it's, that's not hard. You just got to stay at it steady. And that's kind of how we like to do it. But yeah, there's, I'm just that's looking what forward I figured. to it. Like you ride for an hour, an hour and a half. That's yeah. it. Like, yeah, and, and again, obviously, we might ride a couple hours because the speed limit's 35 miles an hour or whatever. But, right. like, when, you know, how many times have I had to ride a bike from your guys' house to my house? And it's like, that's 100 miles in an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. And that's all highway. That's all. Well, there's turnouts, there's little general stores. There's like tourist attractions you're going to want to stop and see. We'll have there'll see, be plenty the convenience of stores and the little like whether not a typical rest stop, but like a big gas station restaurant that are in, you know, certain parts of states and all that. Those things I like that's the trip 
to me. That's what I love more than like a hole in the wall restaurant or, or taking a picture at some fancy monument. It's like going to the little mom and pop shop that I would have never known existed. That's what I like. Well, that's what, I mean, I, I like, but I like all of it. I mean, I don't mind the, the truck stops. I don't mind that. I, I love the little hole in the wall restaurants. I love the little. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I like them. I'm just, I, I've, yeah. On any trip that I'm on, right? If there's like a special place to stop, whether it's like, you know, like you go through Ohio and you get a, what is it, an Orange Julius? It's a, yeah. something like that. If there's a thing to do like that, that's what I on every little trip. But that's what I like. You had you just took the boys and Melissa on a on a day trip, right? And then you guys have a have a vacation trip yeah. coming up, a family vacation coming up too, pretty quick, right? Yeah. So just the other day, we went to uh, Upland Hills Farm, which is in the Oxford area. Okay. Um, and, and you know, you you go down a little dirt road, and then they have like their half mile drive, and you park in a wide open field. Um, and, and there's a hay, uh, like a wagon ride, a hay ride that you can do. We did not do that uh, this year, but a lot of people enjoy it. I don't understand bouncing on a wooden wagon, but hey, you do you. Um, but but it, it's really pretty out there. There's, you know, man-made ponds and sloping hills, but then it kind of levels out into a big gravel open commons, which is between all of the barn buildings on the farm. So it's this wide open area. And, you know, they have a little booth where you pay to get in and you can buy tickets for extra things there. But there's a pavilion where everyone can eat lunch and serve hot dogs, chips and cheese and stuff. But you can bring your own pack lunch and all that. Um, But then the rest of the place, you kind of just go around section by section. And it's kind of like a petting farm, but it's more like a young kid's field trip style so instead of just having all the kids or all the animals at one fence like certain animals are with certain others and you go in there and you see them but your kids not only get to feed them things they can milk the cow they can try and gather up the ducklings (laughs) or the chicks or there's all the like jj milked the cow um do you really yeah he did and um we went up and we're you know petting donkeys and all kinds of stuff and and they enjoy the time there's alpacas there all oh, the kids love it and and it's very minimal on restrictions like you know don't be an ass what that's about it, it. What Boy, road's it on? i can't think of what road it's on right now i'll, I'll look go go ahead um go. but it's it's I just north curious. of 32 mile if you took 32 mile all the way west and oxford um but but anyway, so so you get to go around, you see all the animals, and, and it's really cool because the kids, you, you don't scare them. You try not to run up behind the animals, but the pens for every type of animal except for the infants, like there's a bunch of piglets that were with their mom that had just been born. That enclosure is small, so you can't get in, but you can see them. But the rest of them are so large that like your kids go in the pasture and run around with the animals. Like, it's very cool. Um, 
Uh. And then where the chicks are and all that, they have their little, I'm sure there's a term for it, but it's their little shaded sheds that they're in. Um, it's not the actual coop. They're separate from the coop, but you go in there and they're all over your feet and everything. Um, uh. Everything's pretty friendly and, and well handled. They're used to seeing people. And then there's this, this like, like lunging square. Um, that that you get in line for and you buy tickets for, and they have a platform that's built at the edge of the square, and it's essentially two squares. So there's an outer fence that's a square, and then an inner fence that just essentially makes it like a track, right? So there's a fence on both sides, and your kid gets up on a horse or a pony, depending. And if they're too young to go by themselves you can walk next to them otherwise they're just on the horse and then there's you know one of the 4-H kids or family members who works at the farm they lead them around this big square and and your kids get to go for a little pony ride and I've never I've never seen anything bad happen all their animals are very tame very well managed um and, and they just they have a great time I think JR rode a pony named Blaze that was 23. Um, and I don't know much about the, the quarter horse that Jay was on, but it, its name was Blizzard, and it was the, the white and gray speckle. Okay. Um, so, so that was, honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's great for the kids. And, and there's playgrounds and stuff there. There's, they have their old school tractors there. And when I say old school, I'm talking... Um, Metal, like wheels metal wheels and wooden fenders. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So and, and like no clutch. It's got the the power like drivetrain lever that slides. Um. So so those are cool. And uh, you know a flywheel that's the size of my car. But um, they have that. They have the old school plows and all that. You get to look at and and the kids get to play on them and stuff. So that that part's very cool. Um. And then coming up next, we have our trip to Lake Michigan. So we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year. I know the kids love it. Melissa loves it. Um, we drive up to Lake Michigan. We rent a house. We stay at a house that is on one of those private drives that connects to the pier for Lake Michigan. Um, at which pier at? at I, Whitehall or Montague? You're, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I, I don't keep track of that. I wouldn't even know what day we were going, even though it's this weekend. Um, I'm sure Melissa would know, but it, but it's at one of the piers. So but we it's spend... next to Michigan Adventure, right? Yes. So, yes, so we're, you're in we're Whitehall, not Montague area somewhere. Yeah. So we spend a day on the lake, and we take, or the second half of the first day, really. This year we'll be staying an extra day, so we'll see how it goes. But um we, we go up there and we take a beach tent and fun stuff for the kids play with them in the water all that and have a beach day then come home and grill and you just kind of have a nice little cozy night in the kids are so tuckered out they're not hard to put to bed uh and usually those <laughs> houses have you know a dvd player or something so there's at least something for them to do in the evening and right. then the next day we go out to michigan adventure and we spend the whole day there and we'll go through like Snoopy land and all that for the little kids. We'll go through all the, 
um, main rides that they're large enough to go on. It'll be fun this year because Jameson will be old enough to go go on the rides. Um, and, and then, you know, just the little stores and the other rides and stuff we go on. Yeah, the and Michigan and play places. Michigan Adventure is a pretty cool amusement park. It really is. I mean, I, I, we took you guys there. You know when yeah, and, and they have and something sh- for everybody, which is nice. I'm sure it's it's gotten a lot bigger since then too. There's been a lot of improvements, you know. Yeah, I'm just excited for Jameson to go because we don't. I mean, I think he's been on one or two carousels before, but <laughs> nothing much. And last year he was he was large enough as a baby to go, but the rule that they have because they have something for people of every size. The rule was that he had to be able to walk unassisted. And they didn't care if he could walk 10 feet or 3 feet, but he's got to be able to get himself up and move. And he every time, and he was walking, no problem. And every time we got up to a ride, he sat down and wouldn't walk. <laughs> and so we couldn't get him on a ride because we couldn't prove that he walked. And I mean, there's girls there that like they love him and they just want him to walk so bad so they can see him have fun. Cause he's right. got a great laugh and a great smile. He's very oh, good hearted. Yeah. He's got and, those, you know, half inch long eyelashes. Too. And they're like, even if you hold his hand, if you can get him to take like three or four steps, we can let him out. They, he was, it was like dragging a dead animal behind me. It's like, <laughs> what? come on. And then we'd get away from the ride and he'd like, he put me down and want to walk. <laughs> so, so this year he's walking all the time. So we're pretty excited that he's going to be able to go on the ride. I That's know that cool. Long window, you know, but- you know, the the Manchester Community Fair is next week. Okay. Yeah, it's next week. And, uh, you know, we went last year. We went on Kids Day, and, and the kids, you know, we went with uh, Jacob and Jennifer and Jackson and Juliana. And there was only a couple of rides that were even open. You know, it's the special Kids Day. But they did have a thing. You know, because the the fair doesn't, it's a carnival, you know, it's, it doesn't get started until the evening, you know, and, and, and really, you know, cause there's rides there for adults and stuff, but they had a truck show and they had a, like the road commission was there and the fire department and the school and some big semis were there that were all decked out and pretty and, and the kids, and you could go through them and the kids all, they loved that, but <laughs> Jackson you know he could get on a couple of rides he screamed bloody murder <laughs> he was he did not want to be there and you feel so cuz i can't i can't go with him jacob can't go with him he's the, he's in the car with pooge you know with julia yeah. <laughs> and it's like this isn't helping <laughs> he was a major meltdown <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't it's awesome as a story. I know it's not a, for the kid to be, you know, horrified. But... Well, you know, and it was these simple little rides. I mean, they were little kids rides. Yeah, you know, and Juliana was on them, and everything was fine. But man, Jackson was not. <laughs> he was. He was like Jr. in The Walking. Like, mm, no. Only he was having a bad time. <laughs> Yeah, that well, that was like the Jr. is just so like 
lethargic once he's tired. It's not just, okay, I'm kind of overtired. It's like, I don't care if I sit down in the middle of the road. It's nap time. Um, and so when we were at Upland Hills this year, it's like the, it's, we saved the horse thing for close to the very end. And it's his turn to ride. And we get about halfway through and he's wanting down. And I can tell. And he's kind of trying to signal that to me. And it's like, no, bud, we're just going to finish the ride. You'll be fine. Like, come on. And it's not, I mean, they're not on the horse for five minutes. Um, and he's like, starts rubbing his eyes. And I can tell he's sleepy. And I look over to see JJ because he's a horse in front of me and I'm making sure he's all good. And then when I look back, Jameson's got no hands on the horn and he's sliding off like his hips, like about to dislocate. He's just crouched on the very, like <laughs> if a horse had corners, he was sitting on it. <laughs> and, he's, and so I'm like, hey, and I grab him by the wrist and straighten him out and he starts smiling and he's back with it but it's like he doesn't give a shit man it's like hey you ain't turning the lights well, off i will i wonder where he got that from mr go to sleep on the stairs hey <laughs> you know you gotta do what you gotta do i get it i understand i understand <laughs> well you know that I, th that's cool that you've got that number one that you went to the upland hills and i looked on the map where it was it's up by copper hills golf club yeah. i know and I, so i know the area where it's at and that is a nice area we are but, just and then ahead. you get this you're gonna but you've got this trip and then when's your yeah. move-in date uh, it's it's this month is bananas so yeah. we just went to upland hills melissa's doing you know like her friend's thing today and she's been busy and it's because she's trying to make all the last trips before we move and we're not moving out of state or anything but they're going to be a little ways away um and, and so then this weekend i think it's the sixth through the ninth we're going to lake michigan and then we also have joe's birthday on the eighth juliana's on the ninth my birthday on the tenth and Melissa's mom's birthday on the 11th. Uh -huh. And then on the 14th, I believe, at like noon or two, the um, previous owners of the house that we bought are moving, they're going to be completely moved out. So that's on a Monday, the 14th. And so I think it's, I, I want, we might be scheduled for them to clean in the afternoon of the 14th. I'm not sure. I think it's on the 15th. So the 14th, they move out. The 15th, we get the house cleaned. The yep. 16th, we move in. Yeah. And then the 17th, we're having the electric fence installed for the dogs. And so you're going to be moved in by the time we go on the bike trip. And then the bike trip's the 22nd? Yeah, that's the next the Tuesday of the next week. Yeah, and so then I go to Tennessee. Yep. So that's you got that's some the shit month. going on. Little bit, you know. Just a little bit here and there. Just well, uh, and I mean, around. as much as as much as I hate it that you know the summer is going past us, which it seems like it's going too fast. But There's that always also one means, good thing about that. Yep. 
that also means that football started. Football. And I know we had a couple of couple of things we wanted to talk about here just a little well, bit. I just love football. football. There's nothing like too. football season. And and I, I really don't think I have anything else in my life that's like that. Like it, there are times where I come and go from it, but I'm not you I always pay attention to college, even if I'm not paying attention to anything else. But football is one of those things where I get so idly bored by other things, whether it's TV or things in the news or whatever the case is, I will seek out football. Like I'll watch two no-name teams on a Thursday or, or you know, and I'm sure as I get older, whether my kids are playing or not, it's like, I'll go to the local high school game. Like, I just need to see some football. Jacob does. Does Jacob he? took, yeah, he took Juliana to, because, you know, Chelsea, where your kids are going to be going to school, they yeah. have pretty good football teams. I want to say they, if they didn't win the state last year, they won it two years ago. I don't remember, but I know they have really good football teams. Yeah, and, I mean, they're one of the top, they're inside the top 15 for just schools in Michigan, and, period. And Jacob, like Pinckney, has had a good team, and he's in Pinckney School District. And he took Juliana to a couple of, um, I, you know, they didn't make it through the whole game, but he went to see them play because they had pretty good teams too, but Chelsea's really good. Yeah, that's just really, not going to be bad either. They've got a really good uh, program. That guy's built a hell of a program, you know, and and they're always well. And they they're upgraded because I think when I was in school, they were class B, and now they're class A. Yeah, and they don't, you know, they got they've got enough kids. They get some real talent in there. They, you know, well, uh, Tony Scheffler, who used to play for the oh, Lions, yeah. came out of there, and I'm sure, sure there's did. been others, but I just yeah, I remember Joe Tripodi, who was he started, I believe. I mean, he was one of the better players in at Northwestern. And Northwestern, by the way, was good when Joe Tripodi played. And he went to Chelsea. They weren't and, doing weird hazing shit? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. all they make the news Dude, for now. I, Two I QBs and hazing. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. It's know. a dark world out there. Oh, it really is. And we're just giving people with who make bad decisions more money. So, well, anyways, on the topic of football, I know there's a few things we wanted to cover, um, but but the first one was that you you uh, brought up the Andre Ware effect, and, and I kind of would like you to explain that for everybody, and then you know bring up if you have a concern about that happening to a current player or or what. Well- I, don't, I can't remember what what got us talking. I was talking with Alan about this, and I and I call it that's just my name for it, the Andre Ware effect. Andre Ware played at the University of Houston. He won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he was a prolific passing offense. The Lions drafted him in the first round. They had a run and shoot, which is the offense that Houston ran. They had a run and shoot uh, guy, um, and had run that offense. And, you know, you would have thought it was a perfect fit. But for whatever reason, I mean, they they drafted, in the same year they drafted him, they drafted Rodney Pete. Well, Rodney Pete was one of those guys. He started at USC for like three years. Good teams. A good player. And 
he, you know, he ended up playing in the league for a long time, but he was a rookie the same year that on, on the same team that Andre where it was with the lions. And then they also had a third guy who was developing. His name was Eric Kramer and he was kind of on the rise. He was a guy who was, you know, we weren't sure if he was going to be a bona fide star, but he looked like he had promise. Well, they draft Andre Ware, and he's in the lineup, and he's out of the lineup. And I just looked at this guy, and it's like he had size, he had arm strength, he had speed, real speed. Well, he was the first black QB to win the Heisman, wasn't he? I mean, like uh, that, that was that could be true. How good uh, he was was that he was the first one no, in the era. No, because uh, Charlie, Ward, Charlie Ward, I think, won it before him. Are I you Because I thought. I think well, you, you can check. You can check, but I thought Charlie Ward won it before him, before him uh, for Florida State. But at any rate, it was just like, it was almost like he got into the situation and the Lions were. I I didn't like their leadership. Their coaching staff was wishy-washy. You know, they they had a coach for a while, and and I know that for some of his years here, Wayne Fonts was the coach, and he was you know, if they didn't do well, he'd fire coordinators. You know, and it happened all the time. There's no stability. I don't think the ownership was very good, and certainly not like what they have now. And so I just thought that he just got put into a really bad situation where, I don't know, name a team. Had Belichick had him? Maybe he's a star. At that time, Shula was still coaching. Maybe he's a star. Tom Landry, I think, was still coaching. In fact, I'm sure he was. Maybe he's a star, you know. Um, it, it, it's just, it's tragic. And I've seen other guys, but you know, there was a guy, um, you know, Derek Carr, who he played for the Raiders and then he just signed with the saints. His older brother, David played at Fresno state, just like Derek did. And David was really good. He was the first player chosen in the draft the year he came out. He was picked by the Houston Texans and they were an expansion team. So naturally, they're going to be pretty bad. And they were. And he got the shit beat out of him. And that guy, I mean, he was tough as nails. I think he's still on NFL Network or some football channel somewhere doing, you know, like studio work. And he hung around the league for, you know, more than a decade, I think. But never came anywhere near reaching the potential of a first overall pick. And I think it's because he got ruined in Houston uh, when the Texans were so bad. I wonder about Baker Mayfield. You know, I liked Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma. I'm not saying his personality. He had a he had a decent year in Cleveland. Then he had a pretty good year. Then he played through a year where he was hurt, and he looked like shit and then but and unfortunately he still talks shit and i just don't know if he just got ruined but at least with him you got to see a flash 
but that, but almost like a failure of circumstance instead of a yeah. ability. Well, yeah. that's what I, I like, and I know this is a strong take. That's if Lamar Jackson doesn't go to the Ravens, I don't think we talk about him. If he does not have the scheme and the system where they're willing to design around him, and, and I'm not even saying he's relevant as one of the best QBs right now. I'm just saying even in the flashes he's had, I think he's just another agile quarterback that we forgot about if he didn't go to the Ravens. Well, Robert Griffin III, I, I, and again, he had a good rookie year. He might have been rookie of the year. But they... They used him up. I mean, and with Andre Weir, he did really, he was just lost. It, you know, Sam Darnold was a real high pick when he came out. He came out the same year as Baker Mayfield, I believe. And he was a really high pick and quite sure he went in the top five. I know Mayfield went one. Um, but it wasn't going to, it didn't work with the Jets. I, now he's with the Niners, and he's a backup. Well, it almost makes you wonder if it's it's kind of like a, like a class cannon. You know, it's like the, their stars and their uh, I don't know athletic abilities are so dominant that they grow up dominant, and and maybe they deal with adversity, but like the true struggle with their confidence they don't have, and then when you get into the NFL and get your shit rocked because you're not in the right system, you're not in the right place, and you're also away from everything that you know, it's like, do, you, do they get their confidence shattered and they just don't come back? Yeah, you know, that, that's a good point, Jared, that maybe, maybe that's a large part of it, or in certain cases it is. I just always kind of looked at Andre Weir, and that's why I call it the Andre Weir effect. I not only think he was lost when he was here, I think the Lions were lost when he was here. And I think, I just wonder, had he gone to it, like had Sam Darnold gone to, I, I keep using Belichick as an example, but I think he's a good example. Has he, had he gone to uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, out in Frisco. Or with a QB that could mentor him. Well, yeah. And I mean, you see where Sam Darnold is now. He's with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Yeah. And Shanahan said, this guy's got the goods. He, you know, he still is a 6'4", 220-pound quarterback with reasonable mobility and a really good arm. And that started for two or three years at USC on very good teams. And so, you know, when I see that, and I, I just wonder how many of those are a couple that I thought, you know, kind of hit that situation. And I wonder, you know, if anybody else has players, they feel like that about that. that maybe they got put into the wrong system, drafted by the wrong team, coached by the wrong coach. And I know we could all think of examples, but those were a few just off the top well, of my head. Well, not to the same degree, but I, that's how I think of Ricky Williams. I mean, I think that he yeah. was a head case, and then he got put in the because of the draft pick and all that. It's like he got put in the most high intensity, high pressure scenario, and I think mentally he crumbled. And I've seen a documentary on him where it's like you, 
you don't know if that dude's gonna, you know, end his own life or not. I mean, he seems that depressed. And then once he figured shit out, he got back in shape and came back and was actually decent in the NFL. I mean, yeah. not for a long time, but he's he's still pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know, it, you know, it just I think there's a lot of times where it just like you know, and I'll I'll say it about your brother. You know, he goes to a Division three school. He just got screwed. He had three coaches in four years, and he just got screwed. And he he'd be the first one to tell you especially when he was a freshman, some of that was his own doing, you know, that he wasn't as attentive as he should have been to being places on time, et cetera. And he'd, he'd tell you that, but you know, again, I, I had a guy, you know, who's, who knows, you know, football, Mike Bossery. I would, would you agree that he knows football? Yeah. And he knows high school players. He says Jacob could have played easily played in the Mac. Well, he didn't play very much at a division three school. And now again, some of that was his fault, but a lot of that was, you got a square yeah, peg. I mean, circumstance can screw you. Exactly. I just, think, exactly. I, I just think on such a big stage, like the NFL, sometimes it's the pressure and anxiety. Like Andre Ware, for example, we're not at that point in time. We're, by the way, he was eighty nine. Charlie Ward was ninety three. Oh, okay. um, but I, and I only say that because if we're thinking of eighty nine, that era of football, yeah, we're not in the social media internet era. So when you're taking kids, especially you know young African American kids, that a lot of times in that era are not from the wealthiest neighborhoods. They haven't seen a lot of money. They haven't seen a lot of media attention, at least not good media attention. And, and then he gets all this stuff in college, but the limelight is always like a step away because you don't have social media in your back pocket. It's like when you got to go to the big events or a huge crowd shows up on game day or you got to do an interview, fine, but it's very limited. But then when you got to the NFL, it's all eyes on you all the time. And then you put yourself into a scenario where your team's not very good and they're confused, you don't stand a chance. So I don't think it's just that circumstance of the team, but also the amount of pressure that that we're putting on, you know, these at the time young kids. And I think they'll become more desensitized to it as we continue to go through the social media era because they can't ever get away from the scrutiny now. So those who learn not to crumble, I think, will be more equipped to handle it. But when you're talking about the, you know, the 80s and 90s before social media, it's like this guy is, you know, getting, regardless of how good he is, through high school and through college, he's going to have smoke blown up his ass. And then when he gets to the NFL and things don't go right and he doesn't turn around a program in shambles on the dime, it's like... He can hear all the comments. He can read the newspaper articles. He hears it from the coaching staff. And I do really think that beats up on a young player, especially in that era. Well, it could. I mean, I'm just sitting here looking, and, and, and thanks for checking on that. because. And you're right. He was the first black quarterback to win the Heisman. But I was looking at his stats. 
Here's Andre Ware's career statistics, NFL statistics. Five TDs, eight picks, 1,112 passing yards. And then in the CFL, 10 TDs, 10 picks, 1,542 passing yards. He would throw, he had multiple games at the University of Houston over 500 yards. I want to say one game he had six six or 700 yards passing. Now, again, I know it's college and I know it's University of Houston at that time, which um, I want to say they were, they can't remember if they were in Conference USA then or not. They weren't in the Big 12 at that time, but he's a prolific athlete. And again, that's just my opinion. I think because you would have thought that the situation would have been good for him, but it really wasn't. We were playing musical quarterbacks. To your point, that may have shaken his confidence as much as anything else. Because we had this guy who showed some promise, and then you got another rookie whose ceiling wasn't near uh, Rodney Pete. His ceiling wasn't nearly as high as Andre Ware's, but his floor was a lot higher. You know, Rodney Pete was going to be steady, and he wasn't going to make a ton of mistakes. And he played in the league for a long time, and he played on some good teams in Philadelphia and in Dallas, and uh, I believe won play won some playoff games. But you know, I, whatever it was, Southwest Conference, by the way, it's it whatever it was, it just didn't fit. You know, and and I just always wondered if it was too bad. Now, you said you brought up, uh, I see in the notes you have Joe Burrow versus Kirk Cousins. Uh, what 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 were you going for right there? What okay, you so wanted to talk about. Yeah, so there. The, well, right now on Netflix, there's a show called Quarterback where they follow. Th- three quarterbacks throughout the NFL season last year and their personal life. And there's Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. And Kirk Cousins is in there. And even in that, they talk about how he's not the quarterback to, to win you a big game. He hasn't really won anything. um, and, And that, you know, people consider him a playoff choker, quote unquote. And so I was watching, um, I was watching the Pat McAfee show the other day, and and they because of the quarterback thing, they they brought up uh, Kirk Cousins, and they were they were bringing up a um, a statistic comparison between Joe Burrow and between Kirk Cousins for the playoffs. And they, you know, we're just saying, like, isn't it a little ridiculous how we judge Kirk Cousins? So in this, it's Joe Burr, who's, you know, because he's ice cold, right? And his playoff numbers are 1.4 TDs per game, 0.6 turnovers per game, 93.8 passer rating, 260 yards per game, 22 points scored with only 18 points scored against per game and 13 defensive t uh defensive turnovers forced by his team and then when you look at Kirk Cousins he's 1.75 TDs per game versus the 1.4 
He's only 0.5 turnovers per game versus the 0.6. He's 96.5 for a passer rating versus 93.8. He averages 254 yards per game versus Joe Burrow's 260. He scores 20 points per game versus or in the playoffs again um, versus Burrow's 22. And his defense allows 28 points per game versus Burroughs team allowing 18. And he has zero defensive turnovers forced from his team in the playoffs. And we consider Joe Burrow to be like the next big thing, a super clutch player and people would trust to put him on their team to go win them a big game. But we consider Kirk cousins, a playoff choker. And I just, I thought that was a really interesting t- statistic because I, I, there's two viewpoints to it and that I think of. And, and the first one is, okay, so clearly Kirk Cousins is just a victim of the reporting style because he's been put in the bad light. But then the other part of that says, Okay, but his defense gave up 28 points per game in the playoffs. Well, how many times did he go three and out? And even if he only scored 22 points per game, how many of those 22 points are in the fourth quarter when you need them? So I'm not saying there's not an argument to be made for he's not clutch, he's not the guy. But the reason I wanted to bring it up was I thought it was fascinating how statistically he should be better than someone we consider very good i've i have you know if we were go- going to debate this issue which i don't want to but if we were going to i'd have two words for you about this tony romo yeah all stats i get no that's what i that's it. that's my point this is so the comparison in my head and maybe i should have said that first this is moneyball Right. Statistically, if you were just looking at the records in the playoffs, you would think you pick Kirk Cousins if you're playing Moneyball, like the movie Moneyball. But when we're looking at clutch, when we're considering other factors, uh, Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins aren't comparable. How many how many playoff appearances do each of them have? I don't have games? that off of the top of my well, head. Well, I got to believe that Burroughs, I don't think Kirk Cousins has a great big sample size. Well, I don't think he does. No, I don't think he does. I don't think he's won one. You know, and you have to win to get multiple games in a season. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I can't. I can't sit there and say that those stats don't make sense. They're stats. But I do believe they can, as you brought up, three and outs. I think there's guys that have it. I think Joe Burrow has it, whatever that is. Leadership, you know, follow into the gates of hell, whatever that is. I think Joe Burrow has that. I don't think Kirk Cousins does. I just have never thought that. I thought he was a decent quarterback, but people would compare him to Matt Stafford, and that pissed me off. And, and you know, when he was with Washington and they were franchising him for multiple years, and then he signed that huge deal with Minnesota that was fully guaranteed, 
and everybody's saying, well, yeah, he's Matt Stafford's like in a pig's ass. No way. I, not to me. And again, I bet their stats. <laughs> if you looked at their stats, I'm sure he probably, he's every bit of Matt Stafford or better. But guess what? Matt Stafford's got a Super Bowl win. I don't think Kirk Cousins got a playoff win. I Kirk don't Cousins, think. and again, I this is just quick search. Kirk Cousins is one and four. Okay. And Burrow so. is five and one. I would have thought the disparity would have been heavier in Burrell's favor than that. I guess I didn't. <laughs> well, I know. think, but he got he got injured a couple times, right? So yeah. I think that's why he didn't get some of the late but season stuff. I didn't even know that Cousins had won one. I really didn't. But I, this was just, and again, this is social media though, and that's why I found it interesting sure. is people bring up this graphic. That's comparing the two. And when you look at it side by side and you don't know shit about the sport, it's easy to sit there and say, oh, well, our guy from Minnesota is awesome. It's like, yeah, yeah, turns out he's fucking not. And by the way, points per game. Again, if if Joe Burrow goes 20 yards and punts, the field just flipped. If Kirk Cousin goes three and out on his own 20, there's a problem. And, and I, so it's like if we brought in all those stats and, and they still leaned in Kirk's favor, then it's like, okay, maybe there's some considering to be done about his defense. But until you can show me, right. you know, honest proof that he's not failing to manage the game for the first three quarters and then trying to throw up points in the fourth, I, you know, I, I don't understand where, you, you know, the comp- – the comparison genuinely is like I, I even in college they're not on the same level it's i mean well i remember and and again it was during a bad time of michigan football i want to say cousins was 3 and 0 against michigan <laughs> so it's like he didn't do michigan any favors i think he was 3 and 0 against michigan and you know and the guy Look, man, that he is a wealthy man. Yeah, I mean, he's doing he, something right, but the comparable to me is. I, just I don't. I'm. Absurd. I'm with you. W- whatever it is, and I. I believe that up to personal definition. I don't believe he has it. In my opinion, what I, I just don't think anybody's it. ever talked about him in the conversation. You. You know, you talk about like after the Peyton then Brady era, people are like, "Who's next?" and you, you talk about Burrow. You talk about Mahomes. You you talk about Justin uh, Herbert, Allen. Even yes. though I'm not Josh saying Allen. they're a hundred percent proven yet, they're still relevant in the conversation. I don't think anybody has ever put him in that conversation. But yeah. I I was curious about your thought on it because I do yeah. think statistics can be that skewed. I I, I really think that in in this case, it. It doesn't misrepresent facts. They're facts. But it might misrepresent talent. I think so. I mean, that's like a running back who has garbage minutes and he's got a more carry per uh, carry yards per rush than your starting running back. It's like, well, you can't measure intangibles. (laughs) You just can't measure them. And I, and if you could, 
I don't think his was his would measure up very well. Well, because I think have you seen someone with swag like Burroughs since Namath? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I I mean that is some fucking swag that that dude rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I just mean as far as like his personal confidence that it's not can I do this? It's I'm going to do this. Well. And it, but we've got football coming up, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot more opportunities to talk about this and and other topics relative to football because it's coming up on us soon. Yeah, you know that that Hall of Fame game isn't very far away, and then the college football season starts early in August. Um, you know it starts late, the last part of this month. You know, Colton, our friend Colton, had mentioned uh, the movie Seabiscuit. And, you know, that's, I I have to say, that's a favorite of mine. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in quite a while. But it's it's a 2003 movie. It's got a great cast. Um, You know, Tobey Maguire's in it, Elizabeth Banks. William H. Macy, the guy from Shameless, um, Chris Cooper. It's just a really, uh, it's got a great cast. Again, 2003 movie. It's a Depression-era movie that's loosely based on a true story. You know, this was a, this was a, you know, a horse like during the Depression era that, kind of was a cast off and a has been I never was and then all of a sudden well he was a people's he, champ though because he was the runt right he was little yep yep he wasn't you know <laughs> I I can't remember what they paid for him but when they finally paid for you know when they finally sold him he had been given up on by stables you know they by racing stables and he was just a workout horse and when they finally i want to say it was like 1500 bucks i think her name is lauren hildebrand she wrote the book seabiscuit and i read the book and you know i don't read many books i read lots of articles but i don't i don't read a lot of books and i read that book her personal story is interesting she suffers from depression. She's afraid to leave the house. You know, she's got her own battles she's fighting. But she wrote this book, and then it was made into this movie. And the, and the movie was loosely based on her book. She also wrote a book, and which became a movie called Unbroken. It's about a, a prisoner of war in World War II that's also based on a true story. And it's a, it's a very good book and a very good movie. But this is, I mean, Toby Maguire's really good. I just think Jeff Bridges is a great actor, and he's very good in this. And he's a guy who, you know, has a bicycle, or he, he starts repairing uh, spoked wheels in a bicycle shop. And then he moves west and opens up his own bicycle shop. Well, that doesn't seem to be going well because cars are just coming onto the scene. So he starts working on cars. Well, boom, all of a sudden he owns a car dealership and then he owns multiple dealerships. So he makes a lot of money and he ends up buying Seabiscuit. But, you know, there's a match race between Seabiscuit because Seabiscuit was 
a West Coast horse. And the East Coast, the, where all the Triple Crown is, the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes, the Kentucky Derby, those horses were all from the East, and that was like War Admiral. He was a big, literally a big horse, a giant horse. And, um, you know, the country kind of got behind Seabiscuit because he was this underdog story. And in the country wanted this match race. Well, by God, they finally made it. And the owner of Worm Admiral wanted it at his home track, which I believe was at Pimlico. Um, but anyway, um, and the country kind of got behind this horse. And, you know, he was injured. The, uh, uh, Gary Davis, I believe, is a real jockey. I mean, he's ridden horses in the derby i believe he's won the derby before and probably a lot more than that i'm not a huge horse racing fan he's in that movie and he plays a jockey um a friend of the jockey of seabiscuit and uh there's just there's a lot of story there it's a really good story again there's uh jeff bridges is great elizabeth banks is very good chris cooper who People may not recognize the name, but you'll know him when I, when you see him or when you look him up because he's got a familiar face. He's been in a lot of movies. And William H. Macy, the guy from Shameless, he plays uh, TikTok McLaughlin. He's like a radio reporter. The radio in that movie is so good. Like it yeah. captures the era so well. And that, And again, that's because not everybody's got a TV, but most people... And if you didn't, if not everybody had a radio, then you'd go to somebody's house. But they bring you back to an era like that. I they do, they do. I I can't appreciate because TV was around so much as a kid. But they right. bring you to an era where like, like for me, radio was something that I had to fuck with because there was static. <laughs> but but when you watch this movie, it's you can see the genuine excitement because they, they don't know they're missing out on what TV is, right? Like, right. So, so people are listening to it, and you can see the tension of them sitting there and all the excitement because it's the only form of information they have that's current. Right. It's live. Yeah. And they didn't have any other way of get. They couldn't see it, you know, so they got a guy telling them about it. And, I mean, they had that match race, I believe, in the daytime, and it's like, People closed work, you know, so you could listen to this match race. And it's like, this is a time when the country was trying to come back from a depression that was great and, you know, put a lot of people out of work. And the jockey's got a story relative to that. Um, you know, he basically has to go live with another family because his family can't support him, you know, and he's the oldest kid. So, they find a place where he can go work in stables and, you know, and for, for board, for a place to stay and meals to keep him from starving. I mean, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good, um, there's a lot of good stories, side stories in this movie, but I thought it was really entertaining. I was surprised. I was looking, I saw it was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It didn't win one. It didn't win one. Lord of the Rings, one of those movies, won almost all seven of those that <laughs> Seabiscuit didn't win. 
And I, mm. I've never seen Are any you of shocked, those. though, I'm, when it's yeah, based never, off of a book and a bunch I've, of nerds are responsible <laughs> for the awards? I've never seen any one of those movies. I've, ne- I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. I've never read a Harry Potter book. And I know a lot of people that have, but I haven't. The movies aren't bad. I, no, I mean, like the I've Harry Potter ones I can like watch a little bit here and there of. And the same with Lord of the Rings. I'm not into all the the but lore it, and shit but but it's a good uh i i think it's an entertaining movie it's kind of a underdog movie it's a rebound movie the horse rebounds the jockey rebounds every it's a comeback story it's you know it's kind of a heart it's a hip i mean there's sadness in it but it's a happy movie and it ends on a happy note and i i tend to like movies like that well, you had said misfits come into fame right i mean yeah. like yeah, that's the feel. Well, he part. said, you know, when they're trying to get set this match race up, and this guy with War Admiral won't do it, and this owner of the horse, Jeff Bridges, is saying, you know, my jockey's too big, my trainer's too old, and I'm too dumb to know the difference, you know, and and this guy, he won't give us a match race, and he's saying, let's just line them up and see who's better. Let's see who's faster. <laughs> when they line up, it looks like a pony racing against a full-grown that horse. Really, I've thought about that, though. That is so skewed in Seabiscuit's favor. And I, and I love the story, but, like, you've got a workout horse, and you're about to put him on a track one-on-one to work out, and he doesn't like to lose. It's like you just put – and I'm not saying it was unfair. It's a fair race, but you just put – Warhorse and Seabiscuit's world. Well, Seabiscuit, the reason they were getting rid of him was because when they did run him in a stakes race, because he'd have to lose in practice to build the other horse's confidence. Right. And when they'd run him in a race where he was supposed to run, he'd lose. He'd lose. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, when they're training, training that out of him, it's like he already knows how to keep pace, and he's got to let off the gas at the end. You teach him how to not let off the gas, and it's like you just walk that other horse right into his well, world where he's comfortable. Well, you had, you had said you had said you know to spin off from that into a favorite animal and why my favorite animal would be my old black dog that was your old black dog (laughs) and he's still around and that would be he would be my favorite animal because he is the best dog i've ever had okay so and that's fine as a pet but i I had kind of two questions along that one was the like your favorite animal story as in like a famous animal um but then also your favorite animal not a pet just like any species on the planet and both of those why are they your favorite like, do you have a favorite? Is Seabiscuit your favorite animal story? Well, it's one of my favorite movies that's based on that. Um, um, I think my favorite animal, just of all the animals, would be a Kodiak bear. I think that would be my favorite. Just of any animal. I, I think I... I like those as much as anything. And I love large animals, African animals, elephants, and even giraffes and rhinos and that. But uh, uh, the North American grizzly bear, Kodiak bear more specifically, 
that I think that would be my favorite. What's yours? Um, my favorite animal is a snow leopard. Um, I, I like okay. how they look. I like how they're built. But the biggest thing is I like how they they work. Um, you, you know, I get kind of nerdy about stuff like that, and and they have that giant bobbed tail, um, that's several feet long, and and essentially they throw it towards right. a mountain so that they can sprint on the no- mountainside and not fall over, and that's one of the coolest right. things I've ever seen. And and they're also um like disproportionate you know like like you see a big like a bear is a good example a bear's got big body big head big paws right big strong right. scary thing and i and i love bears they're very majestic but this cat it's like a little bit shorter in length it's short in height but it's got paws like it's a bear and then it's got that tail <laughs> and it's just i love that because it doesn't, it's not a predator that like just ambushes you in any environment. It only stays in its own environment. It's somewhat of like a recluse, but it, it can hunt anything that's in its environment because it's agility, because of how it runs and uses sure. its tail. So, so that is what makes it unique that I find interesting about it um, to make it my favorite. Domestic animal, and again, not a specific animal, but a domestic animal, one of my favorites, and I didn't even think about it till just now, are draft horses. I love draft horses, like big workhorses, like Perchins and Belgians and Clydesdales. I love draft horses. I like going to the fair to see, like the workhorses. I think they're. they're I like those a lot, and I also like Longhorns. Oh yeah, that, that's another and I, and okay, and another wild animal that I like a lot: buffalo. Yeah. Love buffalo. But okay, so you had this. I can't wait to hear this. Well, well hold on though. I'm curious nope. about your your favorite animal story that of a famous animal, and and uh, why is it your favorite? Like, is it Seabiscuit because he was the underdog? Is it someone else? You know, Ghost in the Darkness is up there. With about the, the lions, the lions of Savo. That's up there, and yeah, Seabiscuit cool. is too. I. I to to be definite on that, I'd have to think about that more. But those are both movies that are up there. They're up there pretty good. How about you? For me, it's Secretariat. I like that um, too. But but the re like and again, I like like unique factors. That's that's what interests me. And, and the reason, you know, obviously he's the fastest horse and and the triple crown and all that. But but when you watch the documentaries on him and everything, they said you. The pace he was running at would kill a normal horse and and a normal race horse. And, and they're just saying they believe the reason he was able to do it was because he was cracking oxygen on twice the level that all the other horses were. Because when he died and they examined his heart, it was twice the size. Right. Um, so I actually looked into that. And the average race horse's heart is eight and a half pounds. Now, Sham was considered one of the greatest horses ever, and he was breaking records 
and his heart was 18 pounds. Secretarius was 22. Uh. I mean, it's just absurd, and that's why I like it is because it's like you were just... It's awesome to watch athletes compete, and, and obviously you want things to be fair, and, and just watch these miraculous animals do things that are unbelievable, but when when someone or something has a God-given talent that just cannot be replicated, it's like, that's enamoring. I, you know, like you, that's why we like to watch well, LeBron James. You know, the, that's... The, the movie, it represented it well. It really did. It really did. But I watched that all live. I mean, I was watching that on TV live. And when Secretariat happened, it was such a big story that it drew you, it drew you in. I mean, I mean the they, camera footage is unbelievable. When he takes off at the end of the first turn, I was crying. And you're just like... I was this, crying. Uh, but I mean, everyone in their right minds go, you're going to kill the horse. And it just doesn't stop. It's it, just incredible. I, I, was, I was in tears. I mean, watching that. And then Sports Illustrated got the photo of the year of when the jockey is turned around looking back. And there's nobody behind him. And he's like on the back, he's on the final stretch, the home stretch. And, and the jockey is like almost, you know, he's craning his neck to see where yeah, the like, closest Where the fuck is, is the guy sneaking up on me? Like, and they're know. not there. Well, I mean, I mean in the film, you incredible. can't, I mean, what, he won by like, what, like 31 lengths or 30 something 30-some, like yeah, 30-something, yeah. You can't even see the other horses in the film, and, and yeah, it's a little zoomed in but it's not zoomed way in like intentionally on one horse you should be able to see every horse in the race in a standard race and you can't see a single one no and, and i mean even the jockey his his story of the events where it's like you know he, he took off and he's like i just held on everybody's like why'd you ride him so hard? i didn't he just wanted to go he, he said he just laid the reins yeah, but uh, I mean, know. to not drive him to do that, the yeah. horse to the side, that's just one of the coolest stories. And it's one of those things where it's like it Ronnie Turcott, everything lined up where yeah. you got this horse, the heart, the oxygen, right? And then it just decides to fucking go and I on one of say the hardest races. There was a really sh uh, small field. Because nobody wanted to run against them because they're going to get their ass kicked. I mean, I believe it. <laughs> it was only like six or seven other horses in the whole race. And usually, you know, they're stacked up 15 deep, especially in the triple crown races. But man, by the time they got to the Belmont, which is the longest one of the three, that's why he won by so much. Because <laughs> he had farther to run. <laughs> No, yeah, I, was, I mean that, that's... That, that, that was a good that was a good movie, and that movie was actually well, pretty well portrayed in it. And, and, and the, a lot of that footage was real. That was I cool. actually like the Seabiscuit movie more than I like the Secretariat one, but the Secretariat documentary is phenomenal. That's really good. That's really good. Um, now I have to ask, what is bouncing in the bo? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so. Uh, Joe and I, my brother and I, we work security at a bar on the weekends. 
Um, and, and sometimes it's at other venues. It might be a concert. It might be a street fair, whatever. Um, and sometimes it's for special groups in, in certain cutoff parts of the bar and all that. But there are other weekends where it's just like you're bouncing. And, and this past weekend, um, we were both working. And I came up the stairs, and I just got hit by this wall of B.O. I mean, as I came up the stairs and walked through the door to the dance floor upstairs, it was this hot, warm, (laughs) you-could-taste-the-air wall. And it was like, what the fuck was that? You know, and I'm just like, oh, my God, that was nasty. And I, and again, I'm used to working in this place. It's like there's times where someone farts. There's times where it smells like puke. This was not that. This was a whole locker room's worth of B.O. And I go over and I sit down at the chair next to Joe, you know, just by the top of the stairs. And it's uh, where, like, the security camera computers are. And, and I go sit next to him. And I get a waft of it again. And I was like, that, that like hurt my nose. It's burning my eyes. Joe, did you smell that? And he's like, yeah, dude, I don't know what that was, but that's nasty. And in front of us, there was uh, (laughs) a black lady that was a behemoth. I mean, she's approaching six foot. And she's got to be over 250. But I don't know what the actual weight is. And she's in like a like a two-piece crop top and, and tight pants. Dancing. And I looked at Joe and I was like, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it's that lady right there, the bigger one. I was like, I think that that smell that's burning my eyes is coming from her. And he's looking at me like, no, quit fucking with me. And then the wobble comes on. And the DJ plays the wobble, which during a certain part of the song, you've got to twerk and all that. So for anyone who doesn't know, you squat down and you shake your ass up and down, but you're holding your arms up in the air pretty much like you're doing the wave. And she gets within three feet of us throws her ass out and puts her arms up facing us. And when she did it, I actually gagged right in her face. (laughs) Like I was like, and I, (laughs) and I walked away, Joe's, (laughs) and he goes, Jesus. I was like, that shit stinks. Like I'm not even being polite anymore. You're fucking nasty. Like, you know when you smell like that. Dumpsters smell better than you. And I didn't say that to her, but I did go, that shit stinks. <laughs> and I walk around the corner, and I'm standing over there. Joe's over there. Both of us are, like, rubbing our eyes and clearing our throats. The whole dance floor cleared out around her. She was dancing. Oh. Like, a hundred people moved. Oh. She was dancing by herself. And I think after about five minutes, got the hint and left. But it was just like, you lifted up your arms in the whole bar clear. Oh. It was, I 
<laughs> that That's was some special. That was the type of bo that when it gets in the air, it's got some weight to it. There's some density. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, it God. was. It has to be the most oh. foul thing I've ever smelled in my life. Like I. That's awful. Uh, dead bodies can't smell that bad. But it was. <laughs> it was well, a live one did. Well, and it's like you didn't dare say anything to her because she's a big enough woman. She'd give you trouble and you'd end up stuck to her somehow. It's like, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, oh I, I didn't know a human being could walk around smelling like that. That's crazy. And then when she lifted up her arms, I was pretty sure something was dead. Like they're just, oh, my God. <laughs> That's and I, it's terrible, but it's hilarious. And I mean, we deal with all kinds of things, you know, anything from a split open head from a beer bottle to we've had a girl projectile vomit down the stairs. And, and it's you have like, a girl take a crap this, on the dance floor. Yeah, there was a girl that did that, too. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but yeah, apparently some <laughs> dirty hoe not wearing underwear. Dropped oh, heat in the middle of the dance that's floor just on St. Patty's wild, Day. Wild, dude. I, it's you see the videos every now and then of like someone doing it at a gas station no. or something, and you're like, "What the fuck is wrong with people?" But then to have people do it at a place that you know, right? It's like, oh my god, it's not even fake; it's real. And, oh, and everyone agrees, all the bartenders and everyone else. It's like it had to be a girl. Because no dude is dropping trowel on the dance floor and none of us see it. But a girl that's in a dress or a skirt can just let it out. Dude. Okay. I'm just saying. I know. I brought it up. I wish I didn't. (laughs) But that girl who puked down the stairs, that was funny, too. That was that was the other weekend too, and she she was at the top of the stairs, and I bet there's twenty stairs, and she vomited to all the way to the third one, oh, and then comes running down the stairs and slips in her puke, oh, and then when she gets up, one of the bouncers is going, oh, oh, and she goes out of my way, and she projectile vomits all over the door, oh, and then she gets outside to the sidewalk, and she's got her legs spread in as wide of a V as she can make, and she's just heaving and. In a pile between her legs, <laughs> and it's like, well, I, you know, that that's a lot. I don't even know how this little thing did all that. <laughs> all right, it's time to go. Well, I thought it was a good story, but I, it was I'm just a good saying, story. It's gross. The bo is something I will not be able to forget for the rest of my life. <laughs> I I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I mean, lots of times. Now, again, I'm not saying I've ever encountered anything to that magnitude. But lots of times when people have it, they don't know it. Yeah. You know, because I've seen that happen. I mean, there's I've worked with people that had it. And it's like. And they're clean. I wouldn't suspect them of not being clean. Well, there's so many people out there that don't wear deodorant. Well, 
that's yeah i guess i just man <laughs> well i mean like like you've walked into a, a bathroom whether it be a rest area truck stop whatever and it's like someone is just leaving an abomination in the toilet oh, yeah. and you're like oh for fuck's sake yeah. that stinks yeah that smells bad but then like the tier above that is like it took my breath and i feel like i can't breathe that's <laughs> where her bo is like i'd rather sit oh, in the truck man. stop bathroom for 20 minutes <laughs> it, it was sounds uh, like I mean, a wild weekend i shit you not my eyes were burning but anyways, on that note, I'm ready to wrap up. How about you? I'm good, man. All right. Sounds good. Well, to all of our listeners out there, we appreciate you sticking with us this far. I hope you enjoyed our fun football talks as well as some of my gross stories. And, and if you guys have any questions or comments, we look forward to hearing from you. So be safe, be smart, make good choices, and peace out. Love you, Dad. Love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.